Welcome to Real Women Real Estate. I'm Courtney. I'm Kimberly. I'm Ebony. And I'm Brittany. <laughs> Today's episode is called Creating and Preserving Generational Wealth, episode 16, with our special guest, Brittany Golden. So, quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from none other than Lena Wraith, and is don't ask if your dream is crazy, ask if it's crazy enough. And it's just a powerful quote today, just always, always dream big. And I wanted to start off this episode is really special because we have a native Houstonian here with us and all of us are Texans on the show. It just so happens to be that. And I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, what happened this weekend with George Floyd. I want to acknowledge that George Floyd was 46 years old when he was murdered um, in Minneapolis by Minneapolis Police Department. And George Floyd was also from Houston, Texas. He graduated from Jack Yates uh, High School. Grew up in Third Ward. Ward. My mother is from, where Kimberly's family is from as well. Uh, This is just very near and dear to our hearts as women of color that have raising sons of African-Americans. We want to just say that this is just a tough time. It's emotional. And this thought, our thoughts are with his his family. Our prayers are with his family. And uh, we'll dedicate this show to them. I want to start off with introducing you, Brittany, and uh, giving you your praise, giving you some love and some shine because you've been doing great things in Houston. And you are also, as I mentioned before, a native Houstonian who's making strides in the community, financial services, real estate industries of both. Uh, you also are a, a proud graduate of PB, Prairie View A&M University. Brittany, you are are leveraging your degree in business administration to help families create and protect and pass on generational wealth. Um, As an agency vice president for Appreciation Financial, a licensed realtor with um, United Real Estate and a fix and flip real estate investor, you are a true triple threat and um, just proof that with hard work and motivation, nothing can stop you. So we appreciate you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And we just want to kick it off with some with some questions for you and just kind of get into, you know, how you kind of got into this real estate industry, how you got into the how you got into the game. And so how did you get started? Ebony would say, did real estate find you or did you find it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I might have to answer that and say it found me because I for some reason I was just around people who were realtors, you know, with several years of experience. They were doing a little bit of fix and flips, rentals, and um, project management. So oftentimes I tend to bring my friends together, you know, and conversations would happen that I could really partake in. You know, I didn't really feel knowledgeable and confident to to speak on the topic. And they were just so intriguing that I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get in on this. <laughs> you know, so um that's really where it all started. Just those those dinner table conversations, those hangouts with people who had, you know, I think at that time anywhere from three to maybe ten or eleven years worth of experience under their belt. And I, you know, I wanted to be familiar, to be knowledgeable, um, and to be able to make a difference like they were. In addition to everything that I was, everything else that I was doing. 
question. When you went to school, you didn't have any idea that you were going to be into this market. Never. Okay. Never. So we talk about this often about how, especially with entrepreneurship and how a lot of our community has not been around or didn't see, you know, we might be first generation entrepreneurs or second right. generation. Where, when you said that you were around people, how were you around these people? Like, Friends. When, really? Friends. No one in my family um, that I know of. I mean, obviously we have, you know, our owner occupied um, properties and things like that, but not anyone, um, you know, in my immediate family that was involved in fix and flipping or, or rentals or, or any commercial. So it was really just the company that I chose to keep around, you know, friends and things like that and associates. That's awesome. Um, that is dope because it's all the time. It's really about, you know, if you change the people that you're around, you usually change yourself. Yep. And if you're hanging out with knuckleheads, and you'll probably end up being a knucklehead. That's right. Tell <laughs> uh, so right. my mom. <laughs> so, so how did you combine the two industries of real estate and life insurance? Well, I, or are I, they combined? Are they? Do you combine the two? Or are not, they not as much as I probably could and should. So I, I pretty much put a halt. To my insurance and financial services career once I got started in my flipping. So by the time that I got my real estate license, I had been an insurance agent for about five years. And that same year, I got a second insurance license and my real estate license. But it wasn't until, you know, the following year that I actually got started with flipping. And so once I got my hands on it, I couldn't stop. It required a lot of time for you know, the, the outcome that I was after. So I just, you know, I, in insurance, it's, you know, it's commission, you, you know, you get what you put in. And so I took the um, step towards just going hard at, you know, building my savings and things like that, building up my residuals as much as I could before I was willing to make that transition and, you know, back off a little bit of my day-to-day routine and then, you know, get started in flipping full-time. I bet you that helps you, right? Just in regards to already having a connection in a database with, with insurance, you could easily just tap into that same market and say, hey, do you guys have do you guys have any interest in real estate? What are your real estate goals? That was you know actually I mean? the goal. Initially, um, I think I did have... I think my idea initially with getting my real estate license, which is what I did first before I, I became an investor, was to take that book of business that I had with insurance and to then transition some of those insurance clients into real estate clients. Because at that point, I think I had a little bit over a thousand. I said, well, if I can let all these people know that I'm in real estate, I know that they're going to be buying, selling, renting, and investing. I don't think I did the necessary marketing to have the results that I, that I actually envisioned when I started um, and then I took a different route. I got my hands on investing and I got a taste of it and I just haven't really looked back, but you know, that's because then a new goal came about. And so now that, you know, that goal is almost fulfilled, I want to step back into um, mastering, you know, and having multiple different transactions and policies and, you know, things going on with the clients that I've already established relationships with. And just multiple um, levels of income. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then also, Brittany, on the back end, I know I have my real estate, I mean, my insurance license. Kim has her insurance license. Yep. And 
I know one of the things that I ran into when I got licensed and was doing like financial services is that a lot of times I ran into people who didn't understand budgeting and just simply did not have the income. There was yep. no concept of wealth creation or anything like that. And so one of the things that I found with real estate is that it gives that other piece of how to increase your, your net worth. Mm -hmm. um, and how to generate income. So I guess my question for you would be like, do you see a pathway with like educating people on how to leverage real estate investing um, with protect, like once they create that wealth in real estate, like how to protect that with insurance or like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So to, to kind of go back a little bit on the, the beginning part of your question, um, when you come across people who are, are either hesitant with saving or they're, ju they, they're just really bad at it, it's hard to even get them to get in a position to purchase. So with insurance, the, you know, my specific area of practice has been in the teacher market. So I specialize in 403B retirement planning and life insurance. So with that being said, I got the opportunity to get people in a position to where they got to start saving and they may have never even started saving before. And then with the ability to take a hardship withdrawal, it put people in a position to go and then purchase real estate, right? So I didn't really do a lot of that, but for me, it made a difference because you got somebody who can barely save, you know, $25, $50 a month and then you put them on a plan where it's payroll deduct, so it's amazing because they forget about it and then they look up a couple years from now, they have a couple thousand dollars and then now they're in a situation where they can probably better understand a conversation regarding real estate. And and that now they can understand because they believe that they yeah. can do it. And a lot of times it's that it's that belief that people don't have. They don't they don't think that they can do it because of the finances or because they just hadn't had the conversation. So, you know, I think insurance has also allowed me to get in front of a lot of people to make a difference where as a realtor, I don't have that, that much tracking. Um, the market that I was in, which was, like I said, working with educators in the schools and things like that, I'm in front of a lot of people. So the volume is way different from your, your everyday realtor. And that was, again, the vision as to why I started off at, with my real estate license so that I can use that book of business and those clients to then begin to start educating them on real estate. That's an awesome niche. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really educated on insurance. I didn't, first of all, I didn't know that the two of you had um, insurance licenses. Well, and so now the three of you have insurance licenses. <laughs> and so I think that maybe our audience is more like me and without one. And maybe you guys can educate us on life insurance. I just want to talk a little bit about life insurance. I only have life insurance like through my like employer. Like that was my first introduction to life insurance. And when I was married, they, when I first got married, I think year number two was paper. And so they say like <laughs> life insurance as the gift, you know how they have those traditional gifts. Yes. And so yeah. that was kind of the, like the introduction to life insurance. Can you, can you break down life insurance and like what are the different types? Absolutely. And one thing I'm going to answer that you probably did know is that what a single insurance license, life insurance license gives you the ability to also do financial planning to a certain extent. You're not a financial advisor, but most life insurance companies are life insurance and annuity companies. 
An annuity is a retirement plan. It's something that you can use long term to take a stream of income at some point in time in your life. So um, I did both sides of it. Um, and then in an annuity, you can you can have a 403B, you can have an IRA, you can have a 457, you can have a Roth IRA. So all of those retirement tax codes that we're used to hearing about, 401ks, right? Your insurance agent can also support you in getting those accounts set up as well. Um, as far as life insurance in general, um, the insurance that you are used to and that most people are accustomed to getting first and learning about is your group insurance. It's through your job. It's not, it's not a permanent policy though, because let's just say that unfortunately there's millions of people who are unemployed now due to COVID-19, right? So their employer let them go. They may or may not have gotten a severance package. They may or may not have gotten approved for unemployment, but more than likely they don't have insurance anymore right because their employer let them go so absolutely what, mm -hmm. what's what's very important to me and what i educate people on is that the life insurance policy with your job is great but you need to have a standalone policy that you own that you pay for out of your bank account every month because you own it and a a unfortunate layoff or you know, uh, an unexpected illness or something like that, more than likely that policy isn't gonna cover it. So the insurance that I've been um, educating people on and offering people on is life insurance with living benefits, life insurance with cash value, which is what and how you can create generational wealth. So you have three types of insurance. You have term insurance, you have whole life insurance, you have universal life insurance. Time is cheap, it's simple, it covers you from either anywhere between five to 30 years. Once that time period is up, you're risking going to purchase another policy at the expense of you no longer being uninsurable and that premium increasing. That's a risk that you take. Um, some people are willing to do it while they have younger kids, while they have a mortgage, different things like that. Um, but other people aren't because it's a risk. I mean, we don't know what our health conditions are going to look like when that time frame expires. So then you have the next two options, which is either whole life or universal life. Um, universal life insurance, I'm sorry, whole life insurance is that, you know, you can pay for your whole life, you can pay up, usually it pays dividends, it's very cut and dry. However, it's the most expensive insurance that you mm -hmm. can have because the insurance company is saying, hey, you're 20 years old, your life expectancy could be, you know, 60 or 70 more years, but we're committed to insuring you until that time frame or beyond until 120 years, right? So the cost of me covering you until 120 versus, you know, 30 years from 20 to age 50 is going to be a little bit more cost worthy, right? Um, and then both of those term and whole life policies usually have guaranteed premiums. They don't fluctuate and they also usually have guaranteed death benefits. So, you know, if you are okay with a hundred dollar a month premium for a hundred thousand dollars worth of insurance, that's not going to change. It's going to stay the same forever, depending on which policy you get. So if you do a 30 year, 30 years, whole life, your whole life, unless you, like I said, do a paid up or something like that where the insurance company would take a lump sum amount of cash and allow you to purchase this policy with that lump sum and you never have to, you know, make another payment again. And universal life is my favorite. Universal life is my favorite because it has a lot of flexibility. It also has 
additional options to make money other than just dividends. So universal insurance is a little bit lower than whole life. It may be a little bit more than term. But what it does is it kind of meets you where you are. So let's say I'm 32 years old right now, right? Versus me waiting 10 years and being 42, I'm gonna pay for insurance at the age that I am now versus a whole life policy, it's gonna be a little bit more, right? So the policy premium or the policy cost of insurance does increase within the policy. But let's say that I'm making good money right now. And when I turn 60, I no longer want to pay for insurance. Universal life policy has those premium flexibilities that make it so amazing for people to maximize setting up life insurance, generational wealth, a, you know, a medical policy for emergencies or whatever reason they are purchasing the policy. It gives them so much flexibility. And then on the death benefit, let's just say that you can only afford $100,000 worth of insurance today, but you know that in 10 years, your income is going to change and you're going to want $500,000 worth. Well, you can have an increasing death benefit option built in within the policy that allows you to uh, pay a little bit more than the traditional cost to create a savings bucket and then that savings bucket can accumulate interest. It can accumulate interest on a fixed basis. It can accumulate interest on an index basis. It can accumulate interest. You can purchase sub-account uh, mutual funds in them. So the universal is what I have. It's my favorite and you know it's what I typically educate people on first. And then the, the second phase of life insurance that I truly appreciate today is living benefits. So a lot of people don't know that if you have a $500,000 worth, uh, $500,000 policy and you're diagnosed with cancer, you actually have access to accelerate that $500,000 worth of insurance. You don't have to exhaust your retirement. You don't have to be a burden on your family. You have something that you can tap into that you own, that you made a mature decision on purchasing so that you're not a burden on your family. And a lot of people don't think about that. Most companies kind of build build that, that cost into the cost of insurance. But, you know, when somebody's looking at, you know, a basic $25 a month policy versus they come to me and it's 125 I have to convince them with all these different benefits as to why that policy is a little bit more. But once I break it down, they typically are okay with it and, you know, want to move forward. So I know that was a lot, but. <laughs> no, and, oh, that was actually, <laughs> yeah. And what you said is like, mm -hmm. people need to really just sit and let that sink in because everything that you said, people are doing out there. And that's what separates our demographic a lot of times. Um, from other demographics is that we don't leverage that information the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, especially what you were saying about um, universal life and index universal life. There, When I was introduced to that, it just opened up a whole new world. It's like, oh, it's chess and checkers out here, right? So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is how I've heard of people, um, of course, using life insurance to you know, generate wealth off of being a beneficiary or something like that. But have you heard of people borrowing against like a universal life insurance or a whole life insurance policy for real estate? And if so, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you can, so there's no right or wrong way or, you know, 
you can you can use the cash value in the policies for whatever you choose to college planning retirement planning to purchase a home purchase an investment property you know buy a house get get married i mean you can really truly do whatever it is that you want to do with it but what people don't understand is that it takes time and if you don't have a ton of money to dump in at one time you're not going to get this big lump sum of interest over a matter of two or three years like you have to literally understand that if your premium is $200 and your cost of insurance is $150, you're literally only putting $50 per month into a savings. So I always leave with what is your goal and what is the time frame? Because oftentimes it's just not realistic. You know, if you have a 10 year old and you're trying to create a, a college plan using the index universal life insurance policy paying $50 a month for the next eight years and you want $50,000, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Interest rates aren't 30%, you know, they're they're anyway from maybe four to 6%, you know, on a conservative level, like it's just not realistic. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's in order for me to suggest that somebody use a life insurance policy policy to purchase real estate, um, they would have to almost probably have almost a, you know, million dollar policy or something and they're dumping in, you know, thousands of dollars a month or something like that. Other than that, I would bring up the conversation of a self-directed IRA and see, you know, what do you have in your retirement account that you're not satisfied with the investment outcome and let's look at a self-directed IRA and then you can go and buy real estate in that. That's mm. a whole other topic that we're not talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And these are the kind of conversations I think, you know, it just, to me, it's a full circle conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but you talked a little bit before about being a house flipper and about um, that kind of being what you're doing with your time nowadays. So can you tell us a little bit more about that strategy? Um, how did you, you know, decide that was for you? And what is your advice kind of, you know, really quickly on somebody who thinks they want to flip a house? Okay. It was the first investment opportunity that I got. I knew that I understood that buying and holding wasn't going to give me the results that I needed today. I've worked long and hard for many, many years trying to get out of debt. Just, you know, just being immature with my money. And, um, you know, I decided when I got my first deal and I saw what I could make because I had gone to so many classes and I had been taught and educated on how to purchase um, and how many lenders were willing to lend, which is the most important thing. Um, you know, you can't even get money. And I'm big on, uh, you know, using other people's money, which is another conversation. You can't get people's money if you don't buy the property correctly. And so what that means is that there's a threshold that lenders want to see for for them to even lend on the money. And to me, that threshold protects me and it assures me that I'm going to be profitable. So once I was able to identify that buying and holding wasn't going to give me the, the income that I needed today to meet my goal, which was to get out of debt quick, you know, within a year, two years time frame, um, I, I committed to only looking to purchase properties the way that I was taught, which was to buy them at 70% ARV. And, and Brittany so, said, I need my money. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a running joke too, is like, you know, when you go out to buy a property, people trump up the ARV and say it's worth more than it really is. And Brittany's like, no, I'm not, no. 
Well, I mean, the MLS will give you all the answers. You know, right. if, if you're unable to identify what the ARV is using the MLS, then the lender probably won't land. And that probably means that that's not something that you want to buy. Right. Right, because the neighborhood that I've been focused on, the days on the market are 30 and under. So my lenders say, okay, there's substantial ARVs. The properties are selling. We're interested. If they're interested in protecting their hundred dollars to $200,000 per project, if, if they're willing to lend on that, that means that I've identified a good potential property. And the fact that, um, that, that, you know, they're not just willing to buy anything, that makes me feel so good. And I'm so, so appreciative for that because if I was in a situation where my lenders were, you know, uneducated or, you know, just not interested in my safety and my investments, then that would probably lead me to failure. Are you using private lenders or are you using traditional uh, lenders for your I'm project? Private. Private lenders, um, they're relationship based and you really have, the ball is in your court with them. You know, they have their terms, but usually once you do good and you establish a very good relationship with them and you respect them and you guys, you know, respect each other and learn to trust each other, um, they tend to waver on their terms, you know? So you want to reach out to um, Dallas and work with us with your private lenders? Let's do it. A whole slew of houses, ma'am. We can, we can JV it up. One of my mentors are actually in Dallas. So. Come on, JV. Come on with the JV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, we can JV it up. And um, I, I mean, anytime I reach out to this guy, he answers my phone call, my text messages. He's never been... Well, actually, he's been to one property. I think it was the very first one um, he came down to. And, you know, if he sees something that he doesn't agree with, you know, he'll say, Brittany, why are you being cheap? Or, you know, like, and that's what you need. You need somebody that's going to be honest with you. You need somebody that's truly that truly has you in their best interest. And he does. And it's really good to work with an experienced mentor, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of that, because of course we had to, you know, stalk your Instagram page and find out what to ask in the first place. You yesterday posted how you were doing a rehab class. Yes. Tell me about that and how is that going? How did you even come up with the concept of that? I think that's amazing, by the way. But tell me how you came up with the concept of that and what in, what does your class entail? Got it. Thank you, by the way. Um. So... Obviously, you know, people have their programs about social media, right? Oh, I don't want to put my business out there. Oh, this, oh, that. And I think with real estate, it gave me the confidence to share because I, I identify an area that people are really interested in and that could make a difference for the culture, for the communities, for everything. So um, with me posting, you know, whether it be videos on my IG story or, you know, just before and after pictures or whatever, a lot of people would start to reach out. And so I find myself, you know, having conversations often, you know, I can't chill with Bay or chill with the family, you know, if my phone is ringing all the time. And then I realized that the increase in, in, in interest is, is outstanding. And, you know, the more people you help, 
the the more a difference that you'll make. And also, like you just said, hey, you're doing good. You you know, if you're willing to help, I may have some opportunity out here. If you could come, you know, that's an opportunity for both of us to have some success. And for me, that's what it's about. So my goal was to collapse time frames and to to be able to help more people at once. And so um, it actually was birthed out of COVID. Um, I had just finished a four-month project in Third Ward. Woo-hoo. <laughs> I knew y'all would do that. Send me that address. Send me that address. I want to see, girl. <laughs> I, did, I did it for y'all. <laughs> so I had just finished Shout that out to the project. <laughs> and um, before, I, before I started that project, I was in the schools. I was, you know, whenever there's a small break, I would go back into the schools. I may recruit somebody, teach them the business, whatever. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. I finished the four-month project that I had completely walked away from being in the schools, you know, doing the insurance and, and, and uh, retirement practice. And I was ready to get back in. I was ready to go. I had a new recruit. I'm like, yeah, you know, after spring break, I'm getting back in school. You know, we bring food to the schools and feed and everybody loves to eat. And I'm a know get 25 appointments and boom 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 and then then COVID so I had a lot of time um and then I had one house that was listed for sale and I had um one house that I had been waiting to close it it kind of gave me some fear about um you know whether or not we were going to close on time it was a lot of different things going on and like I said I had just listed this one and then here's COVID so I had a lot of time and it's something that I always wanted to do and so I did it but one motivating factor was that I was in need of help as you know financially I feel like you know I hadn't been working for four months I've been working four months for free so I've been living on my savings so although it had always been something that I wanted to do it that entrepreneurship kicked in to be completely honest with you guys and so it was a combination of both. It was a combination of, you know, I, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I need to create a stream of income that's going to help support me stay afloat until I can get this household, you know. But in simultaneously, it was an opportunity for me to help eight other, in, you know, uh, new investors that were interested in figuring out where do I even start. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, jotted notes every other day, different things. And I just came up with the curriculum. I put it together. We had a three-day PowerPoint um, on Zoom for an hour. And then we had three tour days. And the live tours, they appreciated the most. Like, we we learned the business here doing this Zoom. We learned about LLCs and how to purchase. And we did case studies and um, lender terms and um, borrower profiles and property profiles. We talked about all of those things. But then, you know, we did that on Thursdays. But on Tuesdays, we all met up. In the midst of, you know, the pandemic that's going on, I felt like it was necessary to let people know that if this is the career that you're going to choose, things may be going on that you're going to have to still get done. Like, this is this is your business. This is your income. And I was a little hesitant about having the in- in-person class, to be completely honest with you. But I still had to go to work. And so I just allowed an opportunity for other people to decide if this is, if real estate is really what you want to do, 
then it is an essential business and you do have to you you have to show up and it doesn't stop and and even to, to add to another question that you guys asked earlier when it comes to um my success with investments i show up every day or every other day as a at worst case scenario and so in my opinion to be the most lucrative and successful fix and flip investor you have to be able to be present to manage your project to make changes at you know at the drop of a dime or to go to home depot two or three times a day to pick up different materials you have to make sure that your guy your contractors aren't buying unnecessary material you know for another project or buying tools i found a tool you know, I just did a random little receipt check and I typed the uh, the number in and I'm like, this is a tool that he probably already had, but he didn't return to me. So I'm going to ask for my tool back because I paid for it. Hmm. <laughs> energy. Yes, ma'am. That is boss energy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I always go, to be clear, I always go to Home Depot with them. <laughs> you always go with them? You always go with them? Well, let me not say always. A lot of times, um, well, now we have a crew that we trust. And again, so the thing that I've learned in this business that you can also get a crew that you trust and then you trust them too much and then they, they, they yeah. You give it's them the a tool, they take them out, right? I don't, right now we don't have that problem. I've learned from several mistakes of trusting too much because last year when this happened with our last one, I was big and pregnant. So I, you know, I, I trusted. Right. And I let them make it and they took advantage. Yeah. So, you know, you go through the steps of not making, you know, to make sure that you're not getting taken advantage. And I think that's the hardest part about, especially with flipping that people don't understand is that it's not even just finding the house and finding um, or determining what re repairs need to be done. It's also determining a good, you're good. Again, Courtney and it stresses this all the time. You need a good team. If you do not have a good team, it's not going to happen. If you don't have a good realtor on your side, if you don't have a good title company, if you don't have a good contractor, it's not going to work. And been you're there. yourself stressed out. We've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then, like you said, you had, like you said, you check in receipts. They, they get over. They try to get over. Everybody's trying to get over, especially right now. It's COVID. So you... Right. Check. You really you really have to manage your bookkeeping. You know, if you're not paying a CPA to do it, you got to sit down and you need to, you know, I, one of the one of the homework assignments for the class was to find three three lenders, three fix and flip lenders. Homework. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Real class, girl. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a real class. <laughs> so, one of the homework assignments was to find three lenders and to go ask them for their terms. And so I said, well, what I don't want to do is get you guys on the phone with these lenders and you don't know what you're talking about. So we kind of discuss some of the terms, excuse me, that they can ask for so that they can have a, 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 a conversation where the lender would take them serious enough to sit on the phone and actually explain. And I brought that up because in my experience with trying out different people, you won't make any money if you are with a lender who charges outrageous fees or a contractor who charges you outrageous. I get these people to itemize every job item. Itemize. You're not going to tell me, and I buy my own supplies. So I, I saved, this guy was going to charge me $20,000 for materials. He gave me a $48,000 bid. I said, okay, take the, 20, take the material off. Now the bid was $28,000. 
I got another bid for seventeen five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So you gotta ask around. You gotta be very specific and hands on. And you know that's 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 my thing to to tell people all the time if they really want to see nice results in real estate. Because if you're not present and you're not actively involved with the financial aspect of it, you can definitely get uh, taken advantage of. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a so, business. Um, Miss Brittany, this yeah. conversation has gone by so fast. And I almost want to have you back on. It's not the general principle that number we one. We can do a part two. We need a part two. I like it. Part two. What you're talking about is really, like I said before, it's the entire circle, right? People need to know how to generate wealth, create that wealth, and pass it on. And I feel like you are one of the few people that I've met who are actually in a position to be able to do that whole circle. So kudos mm -hmm. to you. Thank you, love. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> we want to be respectful of your time. So uh, we're going to just ask one more question. Okay. Uh, and we are readers. Okay. We believe that um, learning is the first step to everything. We want to ask a question about what yes. book or books made a positive impact for you in um, your path to success. Okay. To be completely honest, I have not been the best reader. My attention span just doesn't allow me to. However, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's your excuse um, too now? I thought it was time. No, it's time. But I appreciate that she said she's not a big reader. That's where I went the thank you from. But thank you. But my bookshelf will fool you if you come to my house and you see my book. I will buy any book that anybody recommends. <laughs> but I really truthfully has have had challenges with reading. Um, I'm more hands-on. So I prefer to go to a class thank and you. talk to somebody in person and learn and be able to ask questions than to read. But to answer your question, one of my favorite books of all time, Think and Grow Rich. Um, classic. Is, it's a classic. It's a classic and he gets you together mentally to, to get out of the mindset that you were raised in. And I can appreciate that 100%. Thank you. Thank you for being transparent. Uh, you, you gave Kimberly some... Um, some validation. Thank you, Brittany. They try to clown me. They clown me. They're like, oh, get on the audios. And I just don't have time for the audios or the book. You know, we would never shame you. We're not clowning. Not clowning. They don't clown. They don't clown. But you know, they're like, really? I mean, I have, I have good intentions. Me too. But it's like I picked up a book maybe a week or so ago. I can't tell you the name of it. It's still on my on my dresser. And I'm probably halfway through chapter one. I probably read. Yeah, it's a commitment. It's it's a commitment. You have to be in the moment. Right. You have to be in the moment. And there's just so much going on right now. And times are just busy. And it's, and it's difficult. You have to, like, commit to, like, oh, I'm going to read a chapter a day. Or right. what, you know what I mean? You have to kind of make that commitment. It has to be something that you really, that you, that there's a purpose. You know, it has to be right. a, a reason for it. And so I, I can mean, relate it, it to that. To be, it has to be desirable, you know. And I. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I figure out other avenues to collapse time frames and to create value and, and, and learn. And I'm going to do better. I promise so. Reading <laughs> <laughs> so, is time consuming. It is. It it's is. time consuming. It takes time it to is. read a book. So whether, whether you read it or hear it Listen. from somebody else, watch a YouTube, Audible, the, the at the end of the day, is it, do you have the knowledge and do you apply it? Right. Right. Yeah, right. That's what's key. It's the the... 
the collection of the knowledge and the application of it. Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you so much for just coming on Real Women Real Estate. And we appreciate you giving us your time today and educating us. I definitely learned some things that I did not know about life insurance, uh, different types of life insurance. And so I'm going to find out what I have. The joke about life insurance, the, one, the running joke is, you know, like my husband didn't want to get life insurance because he was like, she's going to try to kill me. That was the, the one <laughs> didn't want life insurance, right? So I've learned some things and now I want to get educated to find out what, what did I actually have and, and is it something that I can build wealth from? Absolutely. That's why I appreciate that. Absolutely. And some cultures believe that also, believe it or not. What certain, is that? Certain cultures just don't believe in life insurance. They think it's like cheating the system or stealing or something like that. So, um, and then and then some do think, like you said, that no, you know, I don't want my wife killing me. But, you no, know, like the funny part is, when you hear about those people killing their loved ones for life insurance, it'd be like a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. Like million dollar policies out there. I'm like, exactly. Yo, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave y'all with one question, you know, regarding life insurance to ask yourselves, ask your loved ones, um, and to to just be truthful about it is that, you know, if if your loved one or breadwinner didn't come home t- tomorrow, mm. what would you do today? What would you do differently? Amen. Right? And the second thing that I want to leave is a formula to determine how much insurance you need. And it's called DIME. It's your debt, your income, your mortgage, and your education. And nine times out of ten, it's not going to be the 50000 or the three times that $150,000 policy that you have with your employer. And you're not going to always be there. You're going to retire. And when you retire, that's not the time to purchase insurance, especially when you have the ability to pay for it now throughout retirement age and then not even have a premium to pay after that. Yes. Preach. I was dropping, just my drop. Game over. Yep, game over. So where can our listeners homework. find you? Where can our listeners uh, reach you? What's your handles? What is your preferred method of communication? Okay. So um, right now, I'm still working on mastering the Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Miss B Golden, M-I-S-S-B Golden. Um, I'm working on, you know, learning more about how to use Facebook. And I'm working on, you know, posts and different, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot more than I used to. So uh, working on more content and, you know, the confidence to just sit down and do this and, um and believe that it's valuable. Um, that's been a transition to get to, 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 you know, be willing to do this. So um, definitely still a work in progress. And for now, you know, Miss B Golden, there's a link in my bio that you can do a free 15 minute consultation. Um, I'll send an email out requesting a phone number and I'll just call directly and we'll, we can, let's talk. I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, ladies. Thank you so much for your time, Brittany. Um, Stay on for a second, and we're gonna sign off uh, Facebook. But but thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for being on our podcast. And absolutely, this was a great episode. It was, it was (laughs) very beneficial. Thank you, thank you, ladies, for having me. You made me feel comfortable. You made me. 
believe that I can be transparent. And I thank you for, you know, having that culture and, you know, that comfortability within. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. 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 You can't Cheers. 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 My margarita's almost gone, but cheers. But we will see you guys later and see you next week, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.